Thanks for joining us at our Foothills Church podcast. We exist to help people find and follow Jesus. If you're new here, we'd love to connect with you at foothills.cc. We hope you enjoy this message. You know, when I first started attending, attending church, I was in my 20s. So I didn't have a lot of experience in the whole church realm, didn't know what was going on, and there were a lot of things that were super confusing to me. Like when I came and I first experienced certain things in the church, I had never seen these things before, and there never seemed to be an explanation of what was going on, and I was kind of the outsider looking in and didn't really understand so much of what I saw, particularly when it came to the ordinances of the church. And when I talk about the ordinances, Two of those ordinances, um, communion or the Lord's Supper. I did not understand what that was. First time I was there, I'm in my 20s and they're doing this. And I just remember they're passing this plate around and everybody's picking up these tiny pieces of bread. And then these cups come along, these little plastic shot glasses, what they look like to me. And they got juice in them. And I'm thinking, what is that all about? Nobody explained it. We did it. And that was the end of it. But I thought that is pretty odd. It's weird. Why would they do this in the middle of a service? And then the other thing, which we're really going to focus on today, not we're not going to spend a lot of time on Lord's Supper communion. We'll do that another day. But today I want to kind of focus on this whole idea of baptism, because that was the other thing that seemed really confusing to me when I walked into the church that I was going to. And the first time I saw baptism, it just didn't register with me. It didn't make any sense because I saw. So here's and, and if you think about it, it do, really does. If you're new to the church, it doesn't make sense. You see some person stand up and walk forward and, and, and come up, and in our case, again, these, these horse troughs filled with water, and they, they come up and, and in front of everybody publicly, and um, the next thing you know, you've got these two guys putting them underwater, and then they come up out of water, and they're actually happy about the experience, and everybody's cheering, and then they go out of the room, and you're like, what did, what just, what did I just see? It's, it seemed like it, it meant something, but I don't really know what it meant. So if you've never seen baptism, you saw that, you would you'd probably go, that was weird. It was kind of bizarre. But even if you've been in church all, all your life, maybe nobody's ever explained what baptism is, what really the meaning is. Like, you've seen it, you know it's something special, you know it's something... It's a step that people take, but you really don't know the significance of it. So about every three or four years, I like to take a Sunday and just say, hey, here's what it is. Just so, you know, that everybody is on the same page. Because at Foothills, we have, we have kind of a melting pot of so many different kinds of people, especially when it comes to religious backgrounds. We have some people who have never been in church. This is their first time in church, really, is, is, is their time at Foothills. And we have ever, other people who have been in church all their lives and we have people from every background that comes to denominational. We have some people who are former Catholic, some people who are Protestant, every denomination and all. And so you throw that in the mix and, and everybody does those things a little differently and then it adds to the confusion. So here's what I'm gonna ask you to do, just respectfully ask you to do for the next several minutes, if you would, even if you've heard about baptism and seen baptism and all of those things that you know about baptism, I'm gonna ask you to set that aside for a little bit, just for a few minutes. And I just want to turn to God's word, all right, the Bible, and I want to see what the Bible has to say about baptism. Because it is something special. We do it. We celebrate baptism, and it is a celebration. We do it about six or seven times a year at Foothills, and it's always a great time. And again, my favorite Sundays are the days we do baptism because it's a chance to see God at work up close and personal. So here's what we're gonna, I'm going to try to attempt to do. I'm going to try to give you the what, the when, 
and the why of baptism. The what, the when, and the why. Now, again, I don't want this to just be a bunch of information. That'd be, that's fine. If we, we need the information, that's good. But it has to move beyond there. I want it to be something that inspires you and motivates you uh, and hopefully transforms you and challenges you maybe to take some next steps. Because I know a lot of people, every time we do baptism, we have people that are, that are out there who have, who have made a decision to follow Jesus but have never followed through in baptism. And I'm hoping that today, by the end of the time I'm done, that you're gonna be ready. You're gonna be, even like I say, you might not have planned it, but you're gonna say, man, I need to do that because that's what God's asked me to do. So let's talk about the what, the when, and the why. Let's start with the what, okay? What is baptism? Baptism is a public, symbolic act that identifies me as one of his. I think that should come up there. I didn't see it. But a baptism is a public, symbolic act that identifies me as one of his. Now, I want to break that down a little bit. It's a public, um, symbolic act that identifies me. So let's talk about the public part of that. Public is, I mean, we understand that when someone comes up to be baptized, we do it in a time where there's a lot of people here because it's intended to be public. It's our coming out party as believers. It's, it's us saying to the world, yes, I'm one of his. It's, it's public. Imagine if you were going to get married, right? And, 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 and you told your, your, your prospective spouse, hey, I want to get married. I love you like crazy. I mean, I, I, I just, I, I, I want to get married, but let's just keep this as our little secret. Like, this is between us. We don't want anybody to know because, I mean, you know, you know what kind of response you'd get, right? It wouldn't be. You know what we do when we get married? We make a big deal. Out. We want people to know. We want it public. We go ahead and send out announcements and invitations, have those printed up. We send them out to people. We, we pay money to have a florist make it nice and beautiful. We rent facilities. We we rent tuxedos, we buy gowns, we, we, we just, we, we want everybody to know, we invite everybody, we, we get a pastor to perform a, a, a ceremony, and then we have a reception after, and it's just, a, it's a big deal, we change our Facebook status, right? You know it's a big deal. <laughs> like, this is really getting serious, right? So we do all these things because we are happy, we're, we're proud. It's like a, a high school athlete that is highly recruited, He's five-star recruit. All the colleges are uh, just, just wanting this, this athlete to come to play football for their school. And they, you know, he's got offers from across the country. And he narrows it down to three. And he doesn't want to tip his hand, tell exactly who it's going to be. So he calls a press conference. All the TV crews are there and people are there and they're excited to know where this number one you know, guy is going to be. And he, he has these three jerseys of the three schools and there's a real kind of tense moment and finally he picks up the jersey, puts it on, puts the hat on, everybody cheers, it's a big deal. He makes it public. That's what baptism's all about. It's, it's about publicly demonstrating something. It's symbolic, right? It's public, but it's symbolic. What does symbolic mean? Well, it's like my wedding ring. Let's getting back to that wedding analogy. I wear a wedding ring. Wedding ring means something. It's not just a ring. It's not just another piece of jewelry. There's something significant about, about this particular band, and it's, and it's not the value of it or anything like that, but it's the meaning behind it. It's symbolic. It means that my heart, my commitment is to someone that I love dearly, and they are committed to me, and so I wear that ring symbolically to, to demonstrate that. 
That's what, that's what baptism is. It's symbolic. It, it means something. And again, this is what a lot of people don't understand. They don't understand the meaning behind it. But let me give you a couple of scriptures. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it says, Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. He was buried. He was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures said. So this is what Jesus did, right? Jesus willingly went to a cross and he died publicly and he was buried, and on the third day he rose again. And you say, well, what's the symbolic part of this? Well, let me tell you what Romans says. Romans chapter 6, verse 4. For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. So here's the, here's the picture. Here's the symbolism behind it is that it's, when we are baptized, it symbolizes Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, and our death, burial, and resurrection, so to speak. So, so when a person comes and publicly goes up into those waters, they are saying that I am dying to my old life. Now, the baptism isn't what saves anyone. It's, again, symbolic of something happened. We don't see what happens in someone's heart, right? You can't see. When I make a decision to follow Jesus, and I receive him as my Lord and Savior. You don't see that. You don't see that. But what you do see is my public demonstration, the symbolic part of this thing. So when I go into the water, I'm telling the world I'm dying to my old life. We've been talking about that in our last series in, in, in the book of Galatians. The Apostle Paul said that I've been crucified with Christ. Therefore, I no longer live, but Jesus Christ now lives in me. So we, we go under the water, and we, which symbolizes our death to the old life. And we come up out of the water into raised to a new life. That's what it's all about. It's, it's an amazing symbolic thing. But it also identifies us. We all have, carry identification. If you are driving, you know, if the police pulls you over, says, let me see your driver's license. That's our identification. You go somewhere, they want to see your ID. If you travel out of the country, they say, let me see your passport. It's an identification. And we understand what, why identification is, per, is, is important. And there are ways that you can identify people if you see them. Like if I, if I showed you a picture of a policeman, you would know that's a policeman or a fireman or, or someone who is a flight attendant or a doctor or a nurse. You, you could see how, how to, you know, the, it's easy to identify them. But what if I said, what is a Christian? How could you identify a Christian? Most of us wouldn't know how to do that. We'd say, well, maybe it's somebody who carries a Bible. Maybe it's somebody who goes to church, but we all know that there are people who carry, the Bible, carry Bibles and go to church that aren't Christians, so that's not it. Jesus told us how we could be known. He said, if, you know, they'll know you're my disciples if you have love for one another. So our conduct obviously identifies us as one of his, but one of the things that the scripture tells us is our identification is through baptism. When that person goes into those waters publicly, symbolically saying, I'm dying of my old self and I'm raised to live a new life in Christ, they are saying, I am identified as one of his. So it's a beautiful thing. It's a wonderful thing. And it does serve those purposes. And that's the what. But what about the when? When should I be baptized? Well, here's, here's the answer. In the Bible, baptism always occurred after salvation. In the Bible, baptism always occurred after salvation. Every baptism in the New Testament, what you see is that someone responded. First of all, they heard a message of the gospel, the good news that, that God loved us so much that he sent Jesus to die for us. And we were separated from God by our sin and we had no way of making that right. So God sent Jesus to make it 
possible for us to know him. And Jesus died and of course rose again. And when we place our faith in Christ, that, that's our salvation experience. So we hear the message, we believe the message, and then we follow through with baptism. There's an order to it. That's the way it's supposed to be. Everything has order. God is an orderly God. Just think about life in general. We have order. You, there's certain ways that you do things. You, you put on your shoes after you put on your socks, or at least I hope you do, right? There's an order. The socks first and then the shoes. You, you seal the envelope after you put the letter in it, not before. You, 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 uh, um, you, you tip the waitress or the waiter after the meal. You, you laugh at a joke after the punchline. I'll settle for anywhere, but before or after, doesn't matter to me. You laugh, I'm good, okay? But that's the idea, right? There's order to it. And here's the thing. I've been asked so many questions as a pastor over the years. But I, I promise you that if, there were, if, there, if I was gonna like put a, a list of the top 10, this would probably be in the top one or two. And it's the question about baptism. And a lot of this stems about the when. I mean, a lot of people just don't understand it because here's what they'll ask me. They'll say things like this. They'll say, you know, I was, when I was a baby, my parents, you know, the, the church that they went to, they practiced this baptism with the infants or they christened them or whatever it was. And they did this ceremony and now I'm grown and now I'm a follower of Jesus. Do I need to be baptized? And of course, the answer again, that there's an order to those things that you hear the message, you believe and you're baptized. Let me show you what I'm talking about, okay? In Acts chapter 18, it says many other, peop many other people in Corinth heard the message, believed and were baptized. They heard the message, they believed and were baptized. In Acts 2.41, it says many of them believed his message and were baptized. About 3,000 people were added to the group that day. Now, I want you to kind of, I'm gonna take you back to that scripture for a second. Some of you know the context of that verse. That was in Acts chapter two is when the formation of the New Testament church, the Holy Spirit had fallen. Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, preaches his first sermon. It's highly effective. 3,000 people hear the message, believe, and then, are, and then follow through in baptism. It's an amazing thing. Now, getting back to that question I said a second ago, because I have a lot of people, again, we have a hodgepodge of people from all kinds of different backgrounds, and you may be here thinking the same thing. My parents had me, took me down when I was a baby, and they had me christened or baptized when I was a baby, and now I'm a believer. Is that valid? Do I need to do it? And again, let's just go back to what the scripture said. What did it say? I need to hear the message, believe, and then baptize. When I, if you were an infant, you, you probably had never heard the message, and you certainly couldn't believe it, and yet, you're baptized. So I'm not saying that it was a bad thing that you're, for your, what your parents did for you. They did it with good intentions, I'm sure, but it is not a New Testament baptism. It can't be found there. There's no babies that were baptized in the Bible. It's not there. So if you were wrestling with that, the answer to that question, I think you could answer yourself. I need to hear, believe, and then follow through in baptism. Because it's, it, it only makes sense, right? Because baptism is, is my coming out party as a, as a Christian, this symbolic act of something that I've done after my salvation experience. It just would make sense that that's the right place for it. I remember we had a, a lady that, was, that grew up Catholic. She was christened or whatever they call it when she was a baby. And she started attending foothills when she was in her 50s. And she 
she, during one of the sermons, she gave her life to Jesus in her 50s. And we would, we, we, you know, we did a lot of baptisms. And we were having a conversation. It was one of our membership classes. We were talking about baptism. And I went through this kind of same thing I just said, right, a second ago. And that offended her. That I said that it, it, it wasn't valid. Didn't really mean anything as far as her spiritual um, walk with God. And by the way, we do what's called baby dedications on Mother's Day, but it has nothing to do with, you know, salvation. It's more of a challenge for the parents to raise their children in a Christian home so that one day that children on their own can make a decision to follow Jesus. So I'm having this conversation with this lady and she's offended because I said, you know, infant baptism really doesn't, does, isn't, isn't found in the New Testament. So she came up and she made it a point to tell me, I'm never going to do that. I'm not going to get baptized. I already was, and that's good enough. And I said, okay, no argument here. I'm not going to, I mean, I'm not here to debate you. You do what you want to do. It's a free world. You can do whatever you want to do. And so she, she didn't. And, we, she, and every time we do a baptism, she'd make it a point after. She said, I'm not going to do that. I said, okay, it's fine. And after about 10 baptisms, one day we're getting ready to do, people were in the line getting baptized. And I look and here comes Diane. And I said, I thought you weren't going to get baptized. She said, I want to get baptized. It's the right thing to do. This is what God wants me to do now. Just dunk me. So, I mean, this was kind of like, and it was, you know, this is kind of thing. You, you got to get to that point where you're going, okay, I'm going to do what God wants me to do. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to set aside. We just sang a song. I'm going to, I'm going to shake up the ground of all my tradition. I'm going to, because that's all that is. That's tradition. This is meant to be a personal decision that a person makes of their own will, volitionally, they're just saying, I'm doing this because I'm a follower of Jesus. So, so that question comes up a lot. And if you're here today and you're going, well, I gave my life to Jesus after that, you know, that experience, maybe I need to do this. Yes, the answer is yes, you did. The other question that comes up, a lot of people say this, you know, I, I, was, I wasn't a baby. I was a child or I was a teenager. I was a young adult, whatever it was, or I went to some summer camp at this youth group summer camp and all my friends were being baptized. And so I kind of like, I got caught up in the moment and I just did it and I was baptized, but I realized I wasn't a follower of Jesus then. And now I am, what should I do? Well, again, let's go back, hear the message, believe and be baptized. So you tell me, should that person be baptized? Yes, because they weren't a follower of Jesus when they were baptized. All they did was get wet, had no spiritual significance. But after is when it's supposed to take place, right? This is, this is why I said, let's just set aside what we know and let's go turn to God's word and let's say this is what it's supposed to be. Now, the other part of the when comes in is when do I, does that happen? And the answer is at the next possible opportunity. Let me give you a scripture here. This is found in Acts chapter eight. We did a message on this back in our series on Acts, but here's what it said. This, this Ethiopian eunuch, a very high-ranking official, is, has been traveling, and he's leaving Jerusalem, and he's heading back to his, his own country. And as he's going there, he's reading from Scripture. And he doesn't know what he's reading or who the Scripture is about. He's reading from the book of Isaiah. And then Philip comes over. Philip is a follower of Jesus who comes along and says, hey, do you understand what you're reading? The guy says, how can I unless someone explains it to me? So then... It says this, then the eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself 
or someone else. It was a prophecy about Jesus. So beginning with the same, the same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. And they were, as they rode along, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? He ordered the carriage to stop and they went down into the water and Philip baptized him. The opportunity, this guy was, I mean, he had literally had just heard the gospel, responded. He believed the message, sees the water and says, what is preventing me right now from being baptized? Now, this guy was a, this was a influential person who had no intention of being baptized, probably in royal garb he's probably wearing as he's traveling. And yet he's like, yeah, I don't, that doesn't matter. I'm compelled. I need to do what God's calling me to do. And that means let's just stop the chariot right now. You baptize me right here in that, in that creek. That's, that's how it ought to be with us. Is that when God tells us to do something, we need to respond. Which leads me to the third thing, and that's the why. This is really the important part. We like to say around here, there's always a why behind the what. The what is not compelling enough, right? Just to say what it is. There has to be a why. Why should, why should I, if, if, if I'm out there right now in, in, in your shoes, and you're a person who hasn't done this, why should you get up out of your comfortable chair, walk back and get a t-shirt and some shorts and, and a towel, and come up here in front of everybody, by the way, the water's warm, so at least it's, you don't have, it's not cold. And why would I do that? Why would I do that? Why would I bother? It's a good question, but here's the why. Because baptism is commanded, not suggested. That's why. It's commanded, not suggested. The why, the why behind the what is because if I'm a Christ follower, newsflash, I gotta follow Christ right? It's almost like when your parents said, you go, well, why do I have to do this? And they said, because I said so. That's why. And this is Jesus saying, because I said so. That's why. Matthew 28, Jesus says, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. Be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. It's because Jesus said so. And Jesus, what I love about Jesus, he was just a bottom line guy. He told you exactly what you need to do. You didn't have, but there wasn't a lot of guesswork with Jesus. He's just like, this is what you need to do. So go do it. And I like that. Don't you like people that communicate clearly like that? Like Jesus, he would say things like this. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Just lays it out. That's it. Takes all the guesswork out of it. I like that. I appreciate that. And he would just communicate clearly. And I wish we, as human beings, communicated as clearly as we should. If you're married, you know what I'm talking about. It's how hard it is to communicate. Especially men and women were so different in our way of communication. I read a funny story about Zig Ziglar. Some of you know that name, Zig Ziglar, a motivational speaker. He tells a, a, a joke about communication. And he said, a woman goes to an attorney and says to the attorney, I want to divorce my husband. And the attorney says, okay, let's start with a few questions. She said, okay, what kind of questions? He said, well, do you have any grounds? She said, yes, we have about five acres out in the country. He said, no, I mean, do you have a grudge? 
She said, no, we have a nice wide carport and storage shed. He said, let me say it a different way. Do you have any complaints about him? Like what? Well, does he beat you up? She said, no, I'm up at least an hour before him every day. He said, well, what about your role here? Do you ever wake up grouchy? She said, no, when he's in a bad mood, I let him sleep. Finally, in an exasperation, the attorney said, why exactly you wanna get a divorce? And she said, well, my husband just doesn't know how to communicate. <laughs> let me tell you something, Jesus knew how to communicate. And he said, this is what you need to do. I, I, this is not a suggestion. This is not like a thing, if you, get, if you feel like you can get around it, I'm just saying hey, this might be a good idea. This is Jesus saying, this is what you need to do. This is what scripture says. It's what you do. It's your public, symbolic identification with Christ. It's the way that he chose to do it. Now, I know that for a lot of us, um, there are fears. I mean, that's what holds most people back. They're fears. The other thing that holds people back is that they just say, well, you know, I'll put it off. So I came up with these fears and I said, let's just address these because I think it's, that's the best way to do it. Because in a minute, I'm gonna ask you to do something that's extreme, it'll take an extreme amount of courage. It's gonna be something that's super faith-filled. And if you're a spontaneous person, it's gonna take you way out of your comfort zone. I'm gonna ask you to take that step. So you're saying, no, I've got, I've got reasons. I'm gonna call them fears, but you could call them objections. You could call them excuses. You can call them whatever you want, but here's some, of the, here's some of the things that hold people back. You may be out there saying, well, I wanna do that. I need to do that, but I need to get my life in order first. It's the biggest lie you'll ever hear. If perfection was a prerequisite for any of this, we might as well all go home. He's not looking for perfection, he's looking for willingness. That's a lie, you'll never get your life in order. If you could have got your life in order, you wouldn't need Jesus. We can't, we need him. You might say, I'm not good enough. Join the crowd. There's none of us that are good enough, but Jesus loves us enough. You think the other objections comes is, what if I mess up? You know, if I do this, what if I mess up? Let me relieve your fears. You will. You will. What will others think of me? Like maybe you've been in church for a long time. What will others think of me? You know what they'll think of you? They're gonna think you're awesome, you're amazing. You are a person of faith. That's what they're gonna think of you. A couple of baptisms ago, and I don't think she'd mind me saying this, we had a lady in her 70s, been in church probably almost all her life, been a follower of Jesus for decades, but she had never been baptized. And she boldly came forward. And I, I didn't have a clue that she hadn't been baptized. I assumed, I can't imagine the courage it took her with everybody probably looking at, and I thought, that is awesome. 
That's how people will feel. When you do it, they're not going to look, oh, why is that person getting baptized? They're going to go, that is incredible. Look at God go. Someone says, well, your objection might be, I'll get wet. <laughs> you will. <laughs> Some of you are saying, I don't have a change of clothes. I got good news for you. Yeah. We've got towels, we've got shorts, and we got shirts. We did it so that you wouldn't have that reason. And one of the last, the last one I've gotten is, is, the, is the one that gets most people. I want to give it more time. Why? Why? Why give it more time? If God's calling you to do it and God's commanded you to do it, then you need to do it. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 11.4, if you wait for perfect conditions, you will never get anything done. If you're waiting for the perfect condition, you're not going to ever do it. Like, the, like it's the, the stars have to align and everything works out. and then, No, it doesn't work that way. You know what the perfect conditions are? You're here. There's baptism troughs. We're ready to do it. We got all the stuff. Just need your willingness. If you wait for perfect condition, you'll never get anything done. In Luke chapter 19, verse 26, I love the way the message translation puts it. It says, risk your life and get more than you ever dreamed of. Play it safe and end up holding the bag. God has a prescribed way of doing things. And this is the way that we identify publicly as one of his. So here's the challenge. The band's going to come up in just a second. They're going to play through a, We're going to worship together through an entire song, which will give you plenty of time to go straight out. We got people waiting for you. Grab a shirt, grab a towel, grab some shorts, go and change, come back, or you can be baptized in what you came in and you can change into those on the way out, whatever you want to do. But during that song, you'll have time and then we'll, we'll do baptisms and whoever God leads is who will baptize. And that's just the way we're going to live. It's, it's up to God. But I'm just going to pray for you because I know that for some of you right now, you're doing the white knuckle thing. You're hanging on to that chair in front of you. And you're, you're, just, you, I, you're just thinking, I know I need to do this. I've been delaying this way too long. Do not, do not let God, uh, this moment go, pass you by because God is moving in your heart right now. So let's pray. God, thank you for opportunities like this that you lay out in front of us to, to walk in obedience. And God, I pray that people would follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Not what I have to say, because what I have to say is not important. It's what you say in your word that matters. So God, I pray that you would impress in the hearts of the people who need to take that step. And God, I pray that they would, in faith, with courage, with boldness, saying, I am a follower of Jesus and I'm proud of it. So God, this is gonna be your time. But Lord, I pray for those who don't know Jesus, They've never placed their faith in Christ. That today is the day 
that they need to say yes to Jesus, to have their sins forgiven and to be able to to be transformed from the inside out. And if that's you today and thinking, that's what I want, more than anything, I just want my sins forgiven. I want to walk with God. Maybe prayer, prayer like this. Say, Jesus, I give you my life today. I thank you that you went to a cross for me, that you died a cruel death for me, that you shed your blood for me. And I place my faith in you today as my Lord and Savior. God, this is your time. These are your people. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you move in power. In the name of Jesus, amen.